a coffee dispute between brothers, ice cream in January, and strawberry watermelon cake. This week, we're in Sydney, Australia. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is where we look for the best dishes and drinks in the world on the Destination Eat Drink Podcast and at DestinationEatDrink.com. This week, we're in Sydney with Justin Steele from Local Sauce Tours. But before we head to Australia, could you do me a favor and support Destination Eat Drink with a few bucks? It's easy to do. Just go to DestinationEatDrink.com and click on the Contribute button, and thank you very, very much. My guest this week is Justin Steele. Justin runs the company Local Sauce Tours in Sydney, Australia. He takes guests all over the city to Sydney's many fascinating neighborhoods. They've got a secret bar tour, a cocktail tour, and tours of Chinatown and Newtown, to name just a few. You should definitely check out Justin at localsaucetours.com. Dot A-U. Justin and I talk about a few of these neighborhoods, craft beer in Sydney, unusual ice cream flavors, and celebrating Christmas in the middle of summer. Plus, Justin explains the friendly rivalry between Australia and New Zealand. Okay, I'm starving, so let's eat. Destination Eat Drink. Justin Steele from Local Sauce Tours in Sydney, Australia. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Brent, thanks for having me along. It's uh, good to be on here. You know, as we're recording this, it's winter in the Northern Hemisphere. So on behalf of all us Northern Hemisphere residents, uh, we'd like to know what's the weather like down in Sydney this time of year? Uh, well, it's, um, I'll tell you what, we actually had hail a little bit earlier today. Um, it was sunny to start off with this morning and then it turned foul and I was cycling through hail this afternoon and now it's sunny again. So, um, you know, temperature wise, it's, it's pretty nice. Um, you know, we all, always talk in, um, in Celsius here. So, um, I'm not sure what the Fahrenheit is, but it seems about 20 or so degrees Celsius at the moment. 68 Fahrenheit. So that's pretty nice. Yeah. I was looking over all the stuff that goes on in Sydney. And I was like, this is such a big city with so much going on. It would be impossible to tackle the entire thing. So what I thought we'd do is kind of break it down, uh, first of all, into some different neighborhoods. And you guys do tours in different neighborhoods at Local Sauce. You do one in Chinatown. Tell me about the Chinese community in Sydney and what are some of the best dishes for us to try when we visit you in Chinatown? Yeah, so I guess uh, for a lot of my North American guests, they're really surprised by how big Sydney's Chinatown is. Um, so um, it is the the largest Chinatown in the Southern Hemisphere, um, but that's not really saying much. That's a, a stat that Australian um, people like to throw around all the time around a whole bunch of things, saying that we're the tallest, biggest, largest, oldest in the Southern Hemisphere, because um, we don't really have too much competition down here. Um, but <laughs> so having said that, the Chinatown that we have in Sydney is quite large. I would say uh, there's around 200 or so restaurants just around um, 
Sydney's Chinatown, and that's not just Chinese food. You know, it's kind of it's Pan Asian. There's Thai restaurants, there's Japanese restaurants, there's Malaysian, there's Vietnamese, there's um, you know just a bit of everything really. Um, but it has been uh, the historic Chinatown in Sydney for well over a hundred years now. Um, and yeah, it's you know when you're talking about Chinese food. It's really um, there's so many different varieties. You know, they, they talk about the the eight main types of cuisine in, in Chinese culture, the bada taishi. Um, but then there's also subsets, and uh, you know, there is everything you could possibly want to try that you could get in China. You can get in in Sydney's Chinatown. You know, when you visit Chinatowns around the U.S., um, we lived in Hawaii for a while. There's a great Chinatown there as well. One of the things that I always think about with Chinese food is uh, street food. Uh, Asian food in general has great street food. Would we see good street food in uh, in Sydney in the Chinatown area? You would, but it's not sold from you know street stalls or, or um, carts or things like that. You that you you know people setting up just on the side of the street like they do in in lots of parts of China and, and Asia for that matter. Um, you know, we do have things like in Chinatown, they have the Friday night markets where a whole bunch of temporary, you know, like little mini marquee structures set up with different sellers. Um, but most of the times it's sold from small restaurants, but it's all the same dishes, I guess. What would be one or two of your favorite dishes, Justin? Um, so I studied in China and, you know, for me, uh, a really big part of kind of the late night eating culture in China would be uh, the barbecue skewers that you have. So they might be lamb, they might be um, vegetables, but it's some guy who's set up outside the street and, uh, you know, outside the bars or karaoke or clubs or whatever. And he's got a little charcoal box there and he's just turning over all these different meats and cooking them in the charcoals with a whole bunch of cumin and spicy chilies and salt and pepper and all these other kind of flavors to it. So that's one of my favorite dishes. And, I, there, you know, there's a few places in, in Chinatown here in Sydney that you can sample that. Um, it's really about you know, I guess for a lot of these places is just looking where the locals go, um, where the um, young Chinese international students or young workers um, from Chinese or Asian background and, and seeing what restaurants they're going into um, rather than necessarily going to the ones that are on the, the main pedestrian strip or the ones that have, you know, someone out the front trying to beckon you into their restaurant. Those ones, you know, tend not to be the best ones. This sounds like this would be perfect to enjoy with a nice cold Aussie beer. And I, I got to say, I got to admit, I don't know a whole lot about Australian beer other than Foster's. And the Australian people that I've talked to are say, yeah, Aussies don't really drink Foster's. It's all kind of a marketing thing. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. But I did want to ask you, Justin, about um, is, there, is there an actual craft beer scene in Sydney? I'm sure there is. I'm just not familiar with it. Yeah, there is. I mean, uh, Australia's craft beer scene has really come a long way probably in the last 10 to 15 years. So nowadays, I think the, what I've read most recently that there's over 600 craft breweries in Australia. Um, so that's quite a lot considering we've only got 25 million people here. Um, here in Sydney, you've got a whole cluster of them around what we would call the inner west. So that kind of starts from places like Newtown and and heads out towards closer towards the airport. So these areas that used to be industrial and still predominantly are industrial areas, but are now, you know, all the 
um, some of these factories are turning into breweries. So there'd be over a dozen or so breweries around the suburbs of um, Marrickville, Alexandria, um, Green Square and St. Peter's and those kind of areas. If you were going out with your buddies for a beer or going out on a date night, um, where's where's a place that you'd like to go or where's one or two of the uh, craft beers that you really enjoy? So I, I yeah, as a, a younger Australian, I think, you know, we, we're basically always drinking craft beers. We're not drinking the, the uh, older, larger, now generally multinational owned beers. Um, no one drinks Fosters, by the way. I don't even know where you can find <laughs> that on, on tap or, you know, it's not sold in, um, we call them bottle shops or liquor stores. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember the last time I had Fosters, but um, some of my favourite craft beers would be ones like um, Young Henry's and they've got a, a brewery and tap room in Newtown, which we visit on one of our tours and that's just a really cool chilled vibe and they probably have about 10 or so different beers on on tap there. Um, other ones would be Grifter, also in Inner West, uh, in Marrickville there. They have a really nice, you know, we drink a lot of pale ales here, um, lagers and stuff. Um, given the weather is quite warm for a lot of the year, um, we're not drinking too many like heavy stouts and things like that. You know, there's plenty of those ones around, but for summer, you just want something easy to, to knock back, you know, a, a pale ale or a lager or um, maybe some of the, um, you know, even things like Pacific Ales and um, IPAs and stuff like that. Justin, earlier you mentioned uh, Newtown as an area where there might be some nice bars and good places for drinking. Um, it sounds like a really cool neighborhood, a multicultural neighborhood. Tell me a little bit about Newtown. Paint me a little picture as to what this neighborhood is like. So Newtown is, just to give you a bit of background, is maybe um, three kilometers or so um, southwest of the city um, and it's close to where the University of Sydney is, one of the biggest universities in, in Sydney and it's always been an area where, you know, it's one of the oldest parts of Sydney. Um, you can, when you walk down the, the main street there, you can see these beautiful old Victorian era terraces and shops that, you know, 120, 140 years old. Um, but it's always been an area that's been a bit more working class and a lot of different migrant communities have moved through there. Um, so that means that on one side, it's got all the edgy kind of um, student vibes of, of these kind of areas. So, you know, lots of creatives, musicians, artists, um, street artists particularly have, uh, you know, a lot of murals around there. And then on the other side of things, you've got this, you know, migrant um population of, of and it's not just one particular group it's you know everything um a lot of other parts of sydney you have pockets that are known for being you know one particular migrant group has established themselves there but newtown is that kind of melting pot where you've got vietnamese next to italian next to um south american next to mexican and um you know everything else in between what are one one or two places where you think is really interesting for us to visit when we go to Newtown. Australian cuisine is not the most defined thing. Um, and so we see a lot more fusion food here. So places like, um, you know, Rising Sun Workshop, which does, uh, it's a Japanese ramen place, but, you know, not with your traditional kind of broths. Um, they do things like the um, very Australian kind of 
bacon and eggs uh, ramen dish there. Oh. Um, and they're very experimental with some of their other dishes. Um, you could call it kind of modern Japanese or even hipster Japanese, um, but they've won a lot of awards. <laughs> um, that's one that we sometimes visit on the tour. Um, but, you know, it gets pretty popular, um, especially on the weekends. Um other ones, you know, there's a whole stretch of vegan restaurants in Newtown as well. So you've got everything from um, vegan um, cheese shops to vegan – there used to be a vegan butcher there. There's um, vegan ramen. There's vegan uh, pizza. Um, there's a, a fine foods kind of French patisserie that does a lot of vegan food. There's a, um, a souvlaki place that's all vegan. There's about probably a dozen or so vegan restaurants on along what they call the the vegan mile um so that's a really cool area to to see and then you know a lot of good desserts and cakes and cafes and and things like that if you've got a bit of a sweet tooth um so one of the most famous would probably be the black star pastry which does the uh strawberry watermelon cake um and if you haven't seen that you should just go on instagram and search it on instagram or google it um it's a pizza. Uh, it's a it's a cake that has basically made this um, bakery famous around the world. Um, the the strawberry watermelon cake, and it's said to be the most Instagram cake in the world. Uh, I don't know if that's still the case, but it was at one point. Strawberry watermelon cake. Yeah, it's got a it's got a thin layer of watermelon in the middle of it, with kind of cream layers and a bit of a biscuit base, and then it's got strawberries on the top uh, with a couple of rose petals and um, pistachios and stuff. And it's got this a bit of a rose water flavor through it, so it's creamy and rose water flavor, and then all these fruits and stuff um, with that crisp layer of watermelon in the middle of it. So it's not a not a baked cake. Um, but it's uh, yeah, one of my favorites for sure. You mentioned there were Italians in the Newtown community, and I know that there's uh, probably really good pizza there as well, probably good Neapolitan-style pizza. But as I was reading about Sydney, there was something that I wanted to ask you about specifically, Justin, and that's something called Aussie pizza, which is something I am not familiar with. So could you tell me how what Aussie pizza is? How is it different? What is exactly Aussie pizza? Um, I'm not entirely sure if there's a, an entire subset of pizza that we would say is uniquely Australian. Um, were they talking more about, say, the, the toppings, you know? Um, yes. Do you guys have that debate about, um, is pineapple on pizza okay? <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a very heated debate in the United States. I don't know that. I, I think the Ita the Italians who come to America or the Italian Americans, they kind of look at uh, pineapple on pizza and shake their heads. Mm. But yes, pineapple on pizza is a thing in the United States, especially when we lived in Hawaii. It's, it's certainly a thing. Yeah. Um, well, it, it might be partly that, you know, we have the same chains, I think, that you have ones like Domino's are, are very big over here. Um, but of course, there's a lot of independent pizza pizzerias and a lot of them are Italian-owned, um, doing their own little take on Italian pizza. So along that vegan mile, I said that there was a, a vegan pizza place called um, Gigi's, which used to do meat-based pizzas. And then, you know, when they went all vegan, they in fact became more popular. Mm. And so some of their substitutes are really interesting. Um, there's... Uh, a place in the rocks near Circular Quay, which does a coat of arms pizza, which has got kangaroo meat and emu meat on the same pizza. 
Um, so I always recommend that to my guests just as a way to, you know, tick off eating both the animals on our coat of arms, the kangaroo and the emu. Um, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily the best pizza. Um, you know, you're not really going to get the flavor of the meats, but it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing to try while you're here. You know, that brings up an interesting point because when we were in New Zealand, one of the things that we saw that we really enjoyed was the um, Maori uh, cuisine, which is the Maori are, of course, the indigenous people to New Zealand. Has indigenous culture made its way into the cuisine of Sydney? I'm sure it has. How, how would you describe it, Justin? Yes, yeah, so we're seeing more recognition and, and use of native Australian bush ingredients in dishes. So, you know, and that's not just the meats, you know, so kangaroo and emu, you've, it's always like kangaroo is a meat that I like eating. Um, I think if you're trying to, you know, reduce your meat um, intake for environmental reasons, then kangaroo is a very good meat to eat because unfortunately we have too many kangaroos in Australia. They, their population has really exploded with uh, all the kind of land clearing that we've had in Australia of forests. So that's really bad, obviously, for koalas, but for kangaroos that eat grass and like to roam and hop around, clearing native bush is a great thing. Um, so we do actually have to cull a lot of kangaroos here and a lot of them don't get eaten. So, um, but, you know, Australian cuisine extends beyond just the meat. So things like um, uh pepperberries, uh, lemon myrtle, um, kwandong, which is a kind of um, Aboriginal uh, native fruit. Um, all these things you're starting to see incorporated into dishes a bit more, you know, cocktails and at bars, you can start seeing more of this stuff. Um, it's still got a, a long way to go, I think, but it's, you know, more and more chefs at restaurants are experimenting with it. We mentioned earlier that, of course, Southern Hemisphere has the reverse seasons of the Northern Hemisphere. So while we're freezing up here in the North, you guys are enjoying ice cream season. Yep. <laughs> and you guys at Local Sauce have an ice cream and street art tour. Tell me about some of the ice cream that you enjoy there. Any unusual flavors? This is something I'm always fascinated with. Yeah, so, um, you know, on that tour, we go to a couple of different ice cream places as well as, you know, either the black, that Black Star Pastry um, bakery that I mentioned for for a slice of the strawberry watermelon cake. Yes, of the yes. two ice cream places that we visit, one is your kind of classic Italian gelato uh, store, and so they love they do all their ice creams from scratch. You know, they don't have a base that they add flavors to. Each flavor is done individually, and they are always you know experimenting with whatever fruits are in season. So you know that can be there, there'll be a few different flavors there every time I go there. Um, we always love a you know, a, um, a sea salt kind of salted caramel flavor. Um, there's a lot of uh, ice cream places that would do that. Uh, Gelato Messina is probably one of the biggest ones in, in Sydney, and they now have outposts in um, Melbourne and Brisbane and, and elsewhere as well. When I first moved to Sydney, I saw a huge queue outside this small store, and I thought it must have been like a new – bar or a club or something, but that was actually a Gelato Messina store. Um, <laughs> so it's very popular. Um, but then um, one of the other places that we visit on the Newtown tour is a Turkish ice cream place, and they do this really nice melon and feta flavor. Oh. And the feta is just these small grains mixed into the, the melon ice cream, 
and uh, it's it just I don't know how it works, but it works, and people tend gen to kind of like look at me a little bit um, reluctantly when I recommend it as a flavor, but they they never regret choosing it. You know, it makes sense because feta and melon go together so well. It it has to work well in an ice cream, I think. You know yeah. that I was a uh, gelato maker for several years, and the, I would always be—I would say—I'm putting on my uh, mad scientist hat, uh, trying to come up with new flavors. And I would always think, like, what are flavors that go well together? And then just try it. Mm. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But you know, you talk about the cheeses. I—I I made a ricotta cheese and honey. Um, uh, gelato that I really liked, also yeah. a mascarpone and fig that was really, really good. You just need to know those combos, don't you? Like your ricotta and honey is always going to be a good combo as well. Yeah, but you wouldn't necessarily it wouldn't come to your to your mind immediately when you no. think of gelato or you think of ice cream. But it, it was a great flavor. I loved it, and um, I'm glad to hear that caramel sea salt is still going uh, strong. <laughs> that was always yep. my number one seller was caramel sea salt. And every time I tried to take it off the menu, people would be, "Where's the caramel sea salt?" Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um. So you know, we're talking about having ice cream and in the middle of winter and. That kind of brings up the subject of Christmas, because when we think of Christmas in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, it's heavy coats and fires and roasting chestnuts and mm. hot uh, hot apple cider and mulled wine and things like that. But I have to imagine the traditions in Sydney are 180 degrees <laughs> different than that. Uh, what is it like having warm weather Christmas? I guess we're just used to it. Um, you know, for me, that's that's normal. Um, been doing it for many, many years now. Um, but uh, we still try and incorporate some of those northern hemisphere traditions so um you know there's always going to be a bit of like a hot roast or something going on um my mum might do a uh a tadakan um i don't know if you guys do that the, the turkey duck and chicken yeah yeah um, mm -hmm. so she likes to do that one um but then we'll also combine that with some fresh australian seafood so prawns are really popular uh, for a christmas day lunch here um, prawns and some nice uh, fresh salads. Um, you know, you've got so much produce available around that time of year. Um, and um, you might do th something like an ice cream cake, um, which hmm. uh, that, or maybe you'll go with the traditional kind of Christmas pudding. Um, so it, it's a mix, even though we are very much, you know, that's the peak of summer here. Um, we're still trying to pretend that we're somewhere in the middle um, of being um, part of Europe. I love the idea of an ice cream cake for Christmas uh, dessert. That sounds marvelous. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, I will have to remind my mum to um, put that one on the menu again this year. We talked about beer. You blew up the idea that everyone's drinking Fosters in Australia. What about wine? Because Australia is a huge wine producer, one of the biggest in the whole world. How would we go about sampling Australian wine when we come visit you in Sydney, Justin? Uh, so for Sydney, I guess you've got plenty of wine bars around. And then at any restaurant or bar, you're going to have some good quality Australian wines. So it's definitely not going to be hard to to sample good Australian wines. Um, if you want to make a, a day trip of it, then you can go out to the Hunter Valley, which is maybe about two hours north of Sydney. But there's lots of different uh, tour companies that do it as a day trip, or you can, you know, if hire a car and go up there if you really want to try a bunch of wineries and spend a, a couple of days up there. Um, I think there's around 
There's at least over 150 wineries in the Hunter Valley, but um, I'm not a, entirely sure of the numbers. Somewhere between 150 and um, and double that. Um, a few of my other mates do wine tours up there, but I'm more focused on staying in Sydney with my my food and drink tours. Um, but yeah, that's that's our main wine region. Um, and then you've got a few good wine bars around town. Um, ones like Love Tilly Divine is a really good one. Um, there's a place called Handpicked Wines in Chippendale, uh, which is um, you know actually gets the the grapes in and makes some of the wines there on site. Oh, cool. Uh, uh, what other ones? There's Ziggy's Wine Bar is another one over my side of town, but there's a bunch. Um, it's really not going to be too hard for people to find high quality. Australian wines um, of all varieties. You know, it's not just whites. It's it's um, um, it's a bit of everything. I think the Shirazes are very famous coming out of Australia. Any other uh, types? Any other varietals that you really like? Um, I am not a huge wine drinker myself. Um, so Fair enough. I'm more of a craft beer kind of guy. Um, but some of those um, kind of semillons um, are quite good out of the the Hunter Valley as well. Um, but yeah, there's, um, I, I'm not your expert on those ones. Unfortunately, I'll, I'll drink whatever's put in front of me. Aussies love their coffee too. And I just remember a few years ago when we were in New Zealand, I got into the, uh, flat whites. I love a good flat white. And if I recall correctly, and you can, you can uh, tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, Justin, but there was a dispute as to where the flat white was actually invented. When I was in New Zealand, the New Zealanders claimed it, but I think the Aussies claim it as well. Um, you want to you want to dive in on that topic at all? Yeah, so it's a common point of contention, and Australians and New Zealanders we uh, we compete a lot on a on various things, saying who invented it. So uh, you know, beyond the flat white, things like Farlap, the racing horse, we both say um, Farlap's you know from our countries. Um, Russell Crowe is another one crowded houses uh it's a long list of things that we we compete on um the flat white is one that you know it's a bit tricky some people would say that australians invented it and new zealanders perfected it um but either way both countries do a really good flat white um there's a guy who says that he was the first one who put it on the menu and that was at a cafe here in sydney in the early 1980s and I don't think anyone on the other side of the ditch over in New Zealand has been able to find earlier evidence of a flat white actually being on a menu over there. Um, so if that's how you rule it, then Australia might win. Um, but, you know, regardless, lots and lots of good places to get a, a flat white. And um, in general, the, the coffee standard is, is really high um, in both Sydney and Melbourne and every city for that matter. Um, a lot of people from... Melbourne will say that, you know, there's no good cafes in Sydney. Um, I, I deal with that attitude a bit, um, especially, um, you know, people coming up and disappointed that the, ca- the coffee is not as good as what they have at their, their local cafe back down in Melbourne, um, which I think is a bit of a silly kind of um, claim because they've obviously taken some time to find their favourite cafe in Melbourne and then they expect any cafe in Sydney to be just as good as that one. Um, but we all have our favorites, you know, and, uh, it depends on where you are, but Google maps is, is generally a helpful way to start. Um, and just then, um, check a few of them out. Um, I don't think you'll be, you know, disappointed at the standard across the broad, across the board. 
Where do you like to go for a cup? Um, I have different cafes in different um, neighborhoods, depending on where where <laughs> you know my the nearest, whole city. So you're like depending yeah, on where my nearest, nearest one is. tour starts from. I will have a uh, a favorite cafe close by. So you know, if I'm in Chinatown, I'd go to a cafe called Haven. Um, if I'm over in Piermont doing my Hidden Sydney tour, I would go to a cafe called uh, Mug Life. Um, if I was in Surrey Hills, well, there's there's just way too many options in Surrey Hills. That is just one of the most kind of cosmopolitan parts of Sydney. So every cafe is good around there. Before I let you go, Justin, you said something very cool in when you were talking about coffee, and you referred to New Zealand as being, quote, across the ditch, which I, I thought is just a really cool expression. Is that a common piece of slang in Australia, across the ditch? Is that how uh, New Zealanders and Aussies refer to each other? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's more of a like big brother, little brother kind of relationship. Right. Um, so it the, the terms are quite kind of um yeah genuine it's not there's no real rivalry there um where we're you know they're they're obviously better than us in a bunch of things like uh rugby union being one of them um but we're a lot bigger so it's a big brother little brother um rivalry there um and there's a huge number of new zealanders living in australia you know um my dad's from new zealand and um uh, by all accounts there's about a million people with New Zealand background living in Australia. So that's that's a lot. Um, but uh, other kind of slang, um, you know, there's, there's just so much. It really depends on what context you want to go into, um, whether it comes to, to drink or food or, um, yeah, a whole bunch of things. As we sign off here, give me one of your favorite slang expressions that Australia's might, Australians might say to each other. Um, <laughs> the one that I'm coming to mind is that is coming to mind is not, um, not so polite. So, um, I won't use that one. Um, <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> um, you know, we, we do use mate a fair bit. Um, and I love using mate. You, you, you can use mate with anyone. It doesn't need to be just to, to men or to males. Um, I, I call plenty of women, especially, you know, um, just casually just mate um especially if you don't remember their name <laughs> if you don't remember someone's name you can just kind of point at them or like if you're talking about someone for instance and you can just be like oh old mate over there um is is looking over this way and when you're saying old mate that could be anyone that you don't know their name um you may have just had a conversation with them a couple of minutes ago or it may be a complete stranger but if you're talking to someone else you can just be like oh old mate over there or um yeah. Um, so that's one of my favorite ones to use, just old mate. It's a nice social lubricant. You know, you don't have to worry about remembering people's names that way. Yeah, absolutely. Justin Steele, thank you so much for being on Destination Eat Drink. It's been great talking to you about Sydney and about local sauce tours. We'll have links to all of your stuff in the show notes. Um, and there's so much to see and do in Sydney. It's got it's on my list, even though it's halfway around the world. I got to get back to that part of the world again, and we can hopefully uh, connect someday in Sydney, Australia. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Brent. And I would just say it is a long way away, um, but that's the same for us to get anywhere. So um, don't put that off you uh, getting on that flight because you know once you get over here, you realize you haven't booked to stay long enough. There's um, there's a lot to do here. Okay, there you go. Justin's food tours sound like so much fun.
got to make that trip to Sydney happen. If you want to know more about Local Sauce Tours or the places Justin talked about on the show, check out the show notes. That's at radiomisfits.com slash DED219. Well, that's about it for this week. Next week, we're in Croatia and Montenegro, two neighbors in the former Yugoslavia. We'll be talking with guidebook writer from Rick Steves Europe, Cameron Hewitt. Until then, get over to DestinationEatDrink.com. I just posted a story about a pastry invented by Carmelite nuns in Portugal. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Tentugal. That's T-E-N-T-U-G-A-L. Or just go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter to keep up to date on all the podcasts, stories, articles, and videos that we're posting Yep, it's multimedia here at Destination Eat Drink headquarters. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And a guy who says pineapple on pizza is fine as long as it's soaked in scotch. Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. <laughs>